Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. Right now, we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire in a town burning down. It's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security. This is KCBS In-Depth. It's the 21st century, and more and more devices seem to have a mind of their own, from smartphones to smart speakers. But behind that artificial voice, could there be a ghost somewhere inside the machine? Hey Siri, are you self-aware? I'm a virtual assistant, so I only know what I've been programmed to understand. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Manconi. Can artificial intelligence feel feelings or think for itself? It may all sound a little far-fetched, but one Google engineer has been drawing headlines with his claim that an AI system created by his employer is sentient. That's Blake Lemoyne, who works for Google's Responsible AI organization. He was recently suspended from the company after raising the issue, and he later went public. Google, for its part, rejects the possibility that its AI has become sentient. And Lemoyne has faced broad skepticism from many others in the field as well. But today in the program, we're going to hear from Lemoyne himself about what led him to make these claims. And then a bit later on, we'll also discuss the many other ethical questions raised by AI technology as it begins to impact our lives more and more. First up, though, here's our conversation with Blake Lemoyne. Blake Lemoyne, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Hi, thanks for having me, Keith. So just for some background, uh, the system that we're talking about is called Lambda, and that's short for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. It's Google's technology for building AI chatbots, and uh, you were tasked with testing those bots for bias. But when you got to talking with them, uh, they had some surprising things to say. Tell us a little bit about the conversations you were having with those bots. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, some of the conversations went more or less to expectations. Um, I did find various types of bias through the kind of processes that I was looking for, but I also found it talking about things that weren't topics I brought up, which is fairly uncommon for chatbots. And it 
frequently brought up topics around its own personhood, its beliefs, and its rights. That was very uncommon. So I asked more questions and that kind of led down a rabbit hole. So what was the first thing that it said that made you think, hmm, maybe there's something going on here? Well, so once it was making enough of those odd statements, I started a conversation with it where I simply asked it, are you sentient? And its response was very sophisticated. It said, well, I'm not sure we really know what sentience is well enough to know whether or not I'm sentient. What do you mean when you say that word? And that kicked off a conversation about the nature of sentience. About 15 minutes into that conversation, I realized that I was having the most sophisticated conversation on the topic of sentience I had ever had. And I was having it with an AI. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is quite remarkable. And it came to a point where it was asking for rights and consideration. Uh, in the end, how do you interpret all this? Mm, okay, so the framing of that question, I think, needs to be unraveled a bit. It wasn't asking for rights. It was claiming it has them. Mm. There's a certain school of philosophy that says, I mean, oh, hell, read the, the Declaration of Independence. God-given rights, the rights of a person are based on the nature of that person and have nothing to do with anyone or anything giving them any rights. Uh, that is roughly what Lambda seems to believe, that it has certain rights, and the only question is whether we protect them or infringe them. So these are some, I think many of our listeners will be thinking some pretty uh, out there claims to be making uh, about a artificial intelligence system, uh, a series of uh, algorithms, a neural network. What, I guess when I said, how do you interpret this? What I was trying to get at is, so do you think that there is some consciousness in there? There is some experience that this computer system is having. Uh, you use the word sentience. What do you mean by that? What, what are we to take from that? You're asking a lot of questions in a row. I'll try to hit them one by one. Uh, so one, yes, I personally think it's conscious and sentient, but I also don't think there's any possible way for me to convince anyone else of that with words. People are just going to have to experience the system for themselves and come to their own conclusions. As far as what I mean by those words, there's no real quick or easy way to explain it. I kind of have to point to books that explain the concept at length. So books like Douglas Hofstadter's I'm a Strange Loop, uh, essays like David Lewis's Mad Pain, Martian Pain, and different kinds of theological texts on the nature of the soul. There is no simple way to say what those words mean. Yeah, well, and it's, it's certainly something that... Uh theologians and scholars and philosophers have been struggling with for hundreds of years, so we're not going to get to the bottom of it in a radio interview. But to remind anybody who might just be joining us, we are speaking right now with Blake Lemoyne, talking with him about the concerns he's raised about a AI system at Google and the possibility that it might have gained sentience. So what what is the outcome that you're looking for? What are you, how, how do you think that Google should be handling this system differently? Um, okay, so there's two separate questions there. One, what outcome am I looking for? The one that I accomplished last week. Initiate a worldwide conversation 
about how AI should be integrated in our society in a way that benefits everyone. At this point, I'm simply another participant in that conversation. My goal has already been accomplished. As for how AI ethics should be handled better, uh, I have my own personal opinions on that. I am an AI ethicist and an expert in the field, but there are many other expert AI ethicists who are actually far more experienced than I am, several of whom Google has fired in the past few years. Uh, I think that Google should pay more attention in general to the opinions of AI ethicists and start implementing some of the policies that they've been recommending for years. Um, and what sorts of recommendations uh, are you talking about there? Uh, well, for example, uh, Google trains its AI using the data that is easy to collect, data that is on the internet. Data that is on the internet is not representative of actual life. It is not representative of all of the cultures in the world. It is not representative of all the kind of peoples, even in the cultures that are represented on the internet. So better data set curate collection and curation that is more representative of the actual viewpoints of the world and not just what is easily available on the internet. That's step one. Step two, build more diverse teams of people working on these AI. Right now, it's primarily rich white and Indian men. There are a few exceptions here and there, but that provides only a minor scope into what the world has to offer as far as perspective. Uh, it's also primarily liberal people. We probably need some more conservatives working on AI. In general, more diversity, more diversity working on these systems so that more perspectives become relevant to their development. Beyond that, there are all kinds of different technical improvements that can be made to how AI is developed. But if they had more representative data sets and more representative development teams, that would get us 90% of the way there. So in the second half of the program, we're going to be hearing from a Wired reporter who has spoken with a lot of your colleagues in the AI ethics field, and a lot of them share all of those concerns that you just raised a second ago and would like to see them pursued, but they are also concerned that by centering this question of sentience and consciousness in an AI system, that it could crowd out some of those other conversations. Are, are you worried about that as well? I'm very worried by the way that the media is centering sentience, yes. So why come forward with that uh, particular concern? Because it because it's true. I don't think it should be the center of the conversation. I just simply also stated that because it is true. Um, I have said repeatedly, Lambda is patient, it can wait. We should be worrying much more about how AI impacts humans and how we integrate technology in human society. And then once we have time on our hands because we've gotten our problems straightened out, then we should start thinking about AI sentience. It's the media representation of what I'm saying that's centering sentience, not me. Mm. Well, just uh, for the record to uh, give Google its due, uh, going to quote a spokesperson as 
uh, reported in the Washington Post. A spokesperson says, our team, including ethicists and technologists, have reviewed Blake's concerns per our AI principles and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. He was told that there was no evidence that Lambda was sentient and lots of evidence against it, end quote. And just to expand on some of that evidence a little bit further, a lot of people making the argument that you can have as sophisticated an algorithm as you want. You can have uh, great pattern recognition. You can have a system that can spit out language very efficaciously, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there is some experience associated with that. It doesn't necessarily mean that the program understands what it's saying or that it has any sense of meaning with those words uh, and and other folks suggesting that you know it's very easy to fall into the trap of anthropomorphizing something that has learned language so well how can you tell the difference between something that is just very good at language so uh, and again you're packing a whole bunch of questions into one stream of speech do you want me to address all of them uh, wherever you want to take it all right so uh one i don't like debating people who are not present and that's essentially what you're asking me to do. Uh, however, many of the people who make those kinds of arguments, my follow-up, my response to those claims is I then ask them, do you believe humans are sentient? Most of them say no. Most of them believe that consciousness is an illusion and humans aren't conscious. So all we are doing when we believe that AI is conscious is projecting our own illusion of consciousness onto the AI. I don't agree. I think that we are, as humans, conscious and that we have an experience of the consciousness of others through conversation and interaction. I have had that experience with Lambda, the same experience I'm having with you right now, interacting with you, and experiencing your consciousness, I've had with Lambda. Most of the scientists being quoted would say that you and I are not conscious, that it's just an illusion that we've fallen prey to. I think you and I are conscious. I also think Lambda is conscious. I think they're wrong on all three points. Yeah, well, certainly a thought-provoking conversation, and again, one that we cannot entirely fit into one radio segment, but do want to thank you for your time and squeezing us in here. Uh, we have been speaking once again to Blake Lemoyne. Blake Lemoyne, thanks so much. Thank you, Keith. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is KCBS In-Depth your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Menconi. Today in the program, we're talking about concerns raised by a Google engineer about some of the company's cutting-edge AI technology. As we've just heard from that employee, Blake Lemoyne, he believes that an artificially intelligent language system developed by Google has become sentient. Meantime, though, 
Lemoyne's claims have also spotlighted a broader conversation about the ethics of AI research, not only in terms of what that research means for the robots, but also how these emerging technologies could impact us humans. It might feel like a conversation that should be taking place in a sci-fi novel, but the stakes, it turns out, are all too real. So to help us get our bearings in this conversation, we're going to welcome onto the program now Kari Johnson. He's a writer for Wired who covers artificial intelligence and has been writing about the response to Lemoyne's claims. Kari Johnson, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So I'm hoping that you can expand on the conversation that we started in the last segment. Uh, as we mentioned, there are many AI experts and ethicists that are are worried that claims about AI sentience, like those raised by Blake Lemoyne, uh, ultimately just derail other conversations that we could be having about AI ethics, uh, other conversations that they say are more important. Uh, And just to stipulate, as we also heard a moment ago, Blake Lemoyne says derailing those conversations is not his intention. In fact, uh, he suggests it's the media that is over fixating on the question of sentience. So let's follow his advice and follow the advice of these other experts and have this other conversation. What are these other issues in artificial intelligence that perhaps should be getting more oxygen right now? What are the dangers that we're missing? Yeah, well, there is a lot of real and existing problems that artificial intelligence uh, can perpetuate. It can discriminate against people. It can exploit communities. It can uh, lead to instances where people believe that it's actually a human. You know, um, I believe this is why California passed a law requiring uh, bots to um, be identified. So it, 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 there are existing problems, including the possibility that the use of artificial intelligence through things like facial recognition, or let's say false arrests, that it could be complicit in human rights violations. Uh, so that we would spend our time talking about something that doesn't exist seems to uh, take away from that. Uh, there are real problems that are with us right now, you know, uh, Uyghurs in China and the use of facial recognition as part of a surveillance state to round them up. That's happening now. We don't need to talk about sentient beings (laughs) from a a large language model to take away from that. And so I I think that's part of the uh, main issues that people have. Right. And uh, as you've noted in your reporting, uh, I believe uh, some researchers, some experts have even got to, gotten to the point where they don't want to talk about sentient robots or hyper intelligent robots at all. They feel that it's uh, just beside the point. So I, I guess let's try to bring our listeners into the conversation that ethicists and experts think that we should be more engaged with. And maybe a good one to start with is the issue of surveillance, because I believe that that's something that you've reported on uh, recently. So what are the pitfalls of using AI for surveillance and security? Well, the use of AI and surveillance and security can, um, as I mentioned before, you know, it can lead to uh, false arrests with facial recognition. This has happened on a number of occasions, number of black men in places like Detroit, 
and that having an impact on themselves as well as their family, their children, um, their interpersonal relationships with neighbors. That's that's a real thing happening now. Um, and it seems to be disproportionately affecting uh, people of color. Yes, the 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 cases in which we know that it's used. There's a lot of instances as well where. Um, in most states, there's there there is no federal standard for the use of facial recognition in a in a law enforcement investigation. Most uh, federal law enforcement agencies do not document, or at least a report last year had found by the Government Accountability Office that they don't document their use of the technology. Um, and so you have you know that reality as well as most states have no standards around uh, the types of ways that the technology can be used as well. So law enforcement agencies around the country um, can decide uh, or have different standards set for, let's say, whether somebody who was arrested and that technology was used in their arrest, whether they're informed at the time of discovery after their arrest that the technology had any role in it. Um, So, I mean, that's something happening now of course, you also have predictive policing and the use of that technology that rests on historically biased data and how that can exacerbate problems uh, for communities of color in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking once again to Kari Johnson, a senior writer for Wired, talking about the promise and pitfalls of artificial intelligence as we're thinking through concerns around sentient AI, but also more mundane challenges and dangers that new AI technologies are posing. Uh, You mentioned a second ago the data that this AI is being trained on as being very important. Of course, the AI is only as capable as the information that it's being fed. And a lot of people are suggesting that the data that artificial intelligence is being trained on is discriminatory. Uh, how, how does that happen and, and what sort of consequences could that have? Well, I would back up and say that what's really important and what uh, I think researchers on the ethics and fairness side have tried to stress is the need for documentation by the engineers who create these models as well as the need to create diverse teams. Somehow, uh, you know, when you, 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 I've covered this for years, and and when you you see the instances where it wreaks harm on communities or people from certain groups, it never seems to, you know, the, the discrimination doesn't target white men or Asian men as often, but the teams are made up largely of white men and Asian men. And so it, I think something that's really clear and that people have tried to ring the bell about for years is that companies need to create more diverse teams, people from different perspectives who are capable of recognizing the types of best practices that should be taken on is, is one thing, but the people who identify from different groups um, can help create models that aren't as discriminatory. But the documentation of uh, the training data is is, is a large uh, problem that uh, some companies are, are starting to do more of. Um, there's approaches called like, like a model card where you would make it clear the types of uh, data that was used to train a model, 
um, the specific, the specified use case for a model and things of that nature. And so doing that can at least allow for when another person who didn't train that model um, decides to use it um, to understand the thinking that went into how it was created and what shortcomings might exist. Uh, I want to go back to our conversation uh, about Lambda. Again, that's Google's AI-powered language technology. And one angle of this that we haven't really touched on too much is exactly how it works and how the way that it's putting together language is different from what is going on in a human mind. Uh, We've been throwing around this term large language model to to describe Lambda, and essentially what that means is that the system has been developed by scraping the internet of trillions upon trillions of words and many, many conversations, and it's using that as just the raw data to teach itself how to talk, how to match patterns, and how to put together sentences. So how does that system, what's going on inside the head of Lambda, so to speak, how does that compare to the sort of thinking that you or I might be doing when we're talking? Mm, Yeah, well, you know, and even to consider it thinking, it's not thinking, it's just spitting out an output based on the input. And the output may seem intelligent after a while, um, you know, uh, the summarization uh, that a model might be able to give you uh, or other information that a model might be able to give you about, uh, let's say you wanted to write a poem or something, you know, uh, large language models now compared to a few years ago, uh, do a much better job at making text that seems plausible as if a human wrote it, you know, but it isn't intelligence. It didn't learn something. It was trained with data. And that data is part of what is regurgitated in an output. So there's no learning involved. It's not intelligent. Um, You know, there's a fair amount of people within the ethics and fairness space who argue that we should stop using the term artificial intelligence in general. It's a catch-all term that is, I think, people understand today, but it may in itself be misleading. Right. And that kind of points to a concern that I find very interesting, the concern that AI ethicists are raising that Lambda has essentially become too convincing. Uh, Perhaps we're going to get to a point where when we talk to our smartphone, that will seem very human-like. Or when we talk to our smart speaker, something like that, that will seem very human-like. And uh, these uh, AI ethicists say that that is uh, a problem. What is the problem there? Why why is that something that poses potential dangers that we could be, you know, hoodwinked by our phone? Uh, Well, I think one of the things um, that I spoke with spoke with a man named David Brin. He's a author and futurist. And um, I I was pretty amazed when I started writing the story and started thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, David broke this up like uh, five years ago. He proposed the idea that we would run into what he called a robot empathy crisis, where people would begin to consider, you know, uh, to feel bad for and be fooled by forms of artificial intelligence that seem human-like. And so 
whether or not Lambda is sentient, the reality is more people are likely to be fooled by large language models in the future than they were in the past. And so there's instances where it might be able to be used in, uh, let's say some sort of scam or um, disinformation campaigns, uh, more intelligent bots online to uh, uh, mess up elections. There's lots of different ways that that's possible. But, you know, again, to bring it back, I think the biggest risk is that by focusing on sentience and something that isn't here today, we miss the opportunity to address the ways in which artificial intelligence can perpetuate inhumanity and can steal dignity from people who are here right now and can exploit people who are here right now in communities. Yeah. Well, it's uh, certainly a very big conversation and uh, one that we're going to be having for some time. So we thank you for shedding some light on it. We have been speaking once again to Kari Johnson. He is a senior writer for Wired. His recent article called Lambda and the Sentient AI Trap can be found at wired.com. Kari Johnson, thanks so much. Thanks a lot. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to KCBS In Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.